Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everybody, welcome to the What Culture Gaming podcast. I'm your host Scott Tilford, joined by a returning James Dow. I am back. And also Josh Brown. Welcome home, James Dow. <laughs> welcome back to the kingdom. Can I just say, carry on. No. I listened to the last week's podcast. Cool. <laughs> uh, just the intro. And I heard that apparently I'm skiving, was it? <laughs> that was JB's words, not mine. Yeah, I know, I heard. Yeah. Well, the thing was, James Dowse, you know, well, you're not here to defend yourself, and I was questioning whether you would ever be here again. Yeah, so yeah, I thought, yeah. I can just say whatever I want. <laughs> I can say whatever. No one can just prove it. Oftentimes, yeah. I tell people that like, you're tied up somewhere, yeah, like yes. tied to a chair, mm-hmm. yep. incapacitated. Last week, I did question what you were up to, mm-hmm. because who doesn't have a computer, is all I'm saying? Who doesn't have no, a computer? No, I was in the office, and I had no microphone. <laughs> <laughs> and you work from home that day. The one time I come in, you don't. You're not here. That's true. Hey, that is true. And I apologise because <laughs> I want us to be a happy family yeah. yet again. Yes. So you happy families, and um, we thought we'd give Dallas a nice little couple of minutes slot at the beginning of this before we talk about the worst game sequels of all time. Um, because Mr. James Dallas, you came in said you were playing a video game, yeah. and before you even get there, I want to know your quick thoughts on the Mario trailer. That's how long you've been gone. Oh, give me give me a few seconds of your of your time. A few words about what you think, Josh. <laughs> I don't know if you <laughs> want to hear those words. He doesn't know. James Dows. I nothinged it. I thought it looked yeah. fine as a trailer, but it, right. it did not inspire hope or optimism or joy in my heart. But that's just because this Mario- This is what I had to live with when you were away. Yeah. Mario's not my boy. And if, oh, okay. if it was an adaptation of someone who is my boy, Sam if Fisher. it was Sam Fisher, mm-hmm. I would have been Sonic. over the moon at it. Sonic, <laughs> Shadow the Hedgehog. If it was Shadow a Gex the Gex movie, you would have- Bounced off the ceiling. I cannot say on microphone (laughs) what I would do if it was a Gex movie. But yes, if it was a Gex movie and it was presented like that, I'd have loved it. But because Mm -hmm. I had no personal connection to the material, I just kind of was like, that's for someone else and that's fine. So please tell me what you thought about it. Okay, well, I disagree with Josh. Um, (laughs) You're a sane man. The visuals were beautiful. Like Illumination, just like fair play to the main minions, but they also make beautiful backdrops. Yes. And that's what they did there. Did you pop for the little penguins from Mario 64? I did, that was great. What a great callback that was. Bowser, phenomenal. The only grip I have, which, oh, gripe, sorry, that everybody seems to have is Chris Pratt's voice acting. It seems like he did it for a fiver. (laughs) <laughs> like he just didn't. It was reminiscent of uh, Peter Dinklage in Destiny. Right. Was, a little bit. Yeah. They just, just recorded him walking into the booth yeah. and he's like, what is this place? Like, that, that'll do. Let's do that. We'll use that. And he said, "Let." what did he say at the end of the trailer? But uh, he didn't Mushroom say, Kingdom, here, here we, we come. come. Here we go. Or let's go. Why didn't he say that? <laughs> he's building up to that. That's the big payoff. Oh, he, he has to learn how to get there. That's yeah. his arc. But um, Toad, fantastic voice. Uh, yeah, Michael Keegan Key. Bowser, fantastic. It yep. just it was just Chris Pratt. I hope it's better than that trailer scene. The, the, it's a weird thing. We've talked about the Mario movie so much that I will not dwell on it. But looking at the other language versions, they are giving it their all mm-hmm. so much that yep. I feel like that whole idea of him being on an arc and getting to learn how to be all woohoo and whatever, <laughs> he's clearly not. That's just him for the movie now because the French dude is going for yeah, it in yeah. the French version um, and so is the Brazilian dude and the Italian guy. So yeah, I think that it's, I don't know. But I've not thought about many other things other than Jack Black's Bowser. So I can't. It, it's enrapturing. You were scared about the Sonic movie before that came out. I was, and that le- you now. Led, <laughs> led to a full-on revival of playing every single Sonic game, which is to say that the Mario trailer made me play Mario Sunshine. Literally I, the worst I'm 3D game Mario Odyssey ever made. It. I wouldn't go anywhere near it, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, it's very bad. Um, you, though, have been playing the old Cursed... No, you've been playing oh, Cursed to Golf? I have not. No, what was the golf game you've been playing? I have been playing What the Golf, what the golf? Josh Brown. Can I ask a question? No. 
what the golf? <laughs> what, <laughs> what the golf? <laughs> we realised, uh, me and James Thomas, at this very moment that we're big golf game fans. Yeah, I, love I don't know where you come down on get all golf games, JB. Um, well, you, uh, let's settle in. Because you grab that microphone. Tiger Woods PGA Tour, you know, back <laughs> in the day, from about 07 to yep. maybe 2011. Oh, you yes. want the one from like 2000 when I had the 360 degree slow motion camera? Well, yes, that yes. was also in That's these in versions. Yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah. Loved that. I used mm. to spend countless hours, you know, customising my clubs, doing the PGA Tour itself, yeah. getting minus, you know, 30 under par or whatever it was. I loved those games. Then yeah. I dropped off and started playing golf in real life. Right. Realised I wasn't as fit or strong enough to get through 18 holes. Or stylish. I could only have it off stylish enough. You know, I hate to use my dad's trousers. He's not a stylish <laughs> man is all I'm saying. I didn't look very good on that golf course. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I, I tried to pivot to real golf, didn't work. But, mm -hmm. sorry to steal this point, EA is doing their first PGA Tour game in years yeah, this year, so 2K, maybe that will peak it in. No, 2K have always been doing them over the past few years, ah. but EA's no returning to the fold. Yeah. I see, I yeah. see what you mean. Yeah. So hopefully that's gonna be good, but tell yeah. me more about what the golf, is that in the same vein as PGA it's Tour not, or not? I, I can argue that it's not even a golf game, to be <laughs> honest. Is it? In terms of hitting a physics object with a club, but yeah. even the club, but even then it's various club. things are clubs. Uh, so basically it's just a, well, I guess I just lied. It is a golfing game, but like instead of swinging sometimes, your body will go to the golf. Uh, whatever it's called. It's basically like, like flag, this. Flag. it's a yeah. series of it's fit, what feels like endless mini games ostensibly where it's yeah. different setups that are golf themed. So like if we were going to play What the Golf right now, maybe I'm launching this laptop over the other side of the room this and trying to get it somewhere. And then, yeah, yeah, and then it zooms out and maybe the house is the ball and you're trying to get a house yeah. through a city or something. And then, but then sometimes you're doing like smaller ones as well. But as it progresses, it turns into a video game like Lover where you're playing a super meatball that's what, it, that's what it, no, 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 Super Meat Ball. Okay. That's oh, what, yeah. Come on, stop. <laughs> they got to get around the copyright. I'll tell you what, I'm, I didn't mean to say what I just said. Right. Say, babe, I can't even speak. But it was, let me start again. Do it. Successfully start again. <laughs> Hold on. But the game's like a lover of other series of games that you can play as Super Meat Boy. You can mm -hmm. play uh, as like Portal. Uh, there's another one which I can't remember, but Portal 2, for example. I don't know. That's very it's just a great, game. great game, and it is very worth playing. I uh, will definitely... Uh, can I play this on where, where you're playing it? It is on Apple Arcade, of all places. <laughs> Interesting. And it's also on the Switch. It's on the Switch. I got yeah. the Switch version. Oh, my um, God. Just... Not with me today right now, but, oh. but still. Very good. I think if you've got any bone in your body likes golf mechanics, like I'm a sucker for golf stuff. Also, shout out to um, Golf Story, which is like an RPG yeah. where it's like a top-down um, like combat model, but you're sort of just using a golf... You're, you're yeah, using yeah. a golf to get around yes. the world and do various holes and stuff. And um, Curse to Golf, which is a brand new roguelike golf game. I, we're going to find out how many people drop off this podcast because yes. of our golf games, but... <laughs> our attention's going to be terrible. It's yeah. probably going to be terrible. Or there's a whole bunch of people who can admit to themselves that golf games are actually brilliant. I think we might be the only people in existence who, if we were in that episode of The Simpsons where Bart gets, is it Lee Cavallo's putting challenge? Putting challenge. <laughs> I think we'd actually be pleased. I'd play yeah. that game. It looks yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm loving it. I'm loving the game literally called Golf on the NES that used to be able to play it inside oh, the Switch. It's there you go. isn't it? It's a little bit, but it, you know, it paved the way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Trends. That's the Mario of its genre, really. Really? Yeah, sure. Yeah, they had to get sure. it right. Um, anyway, speaking of nothing at all, let's talk about the worst possible sequels because this topic is very much inspired by Overwatch 2. And I want to just put the statement out there before we run down a collective list that we've just put together before recording of the worst sequels in gaming. Is Overwatch 2 the worst sequel of all time? You tell me, Scott Tilford, it because is. you were talking about it being barely a sequel. Yep, it made me think of uh, Nigel Tufnell in Spinal Tap, where it's sort of just one more. It's just Overwatch 1, but again. And I can't even, I couldn't think what accent he does, <laughs> but it feels like it's one of them again. It's Overwatch right. 2. It's Overwatch 1 twice. The thing with this is, and the reason I'm hesitant to put Overwatch 2 on this list it's definitively, is that uh, <laughs> it's... I'm yet to see what the PvE is going to bring to the table. That, to me, is a make-or-break thing when it comes to judging this as a complete sequel package, because right now, it's kind of half a game, and that in itself is but potentially they, a big flaw because they're marketing it as Overwatch 2. They but. have all but ditched all mention of that. Like, I mean, like, that was the original idea of why they were doing a sequel. I can't find any mention of that in any recent marketing, trailer, whatever. It's not on the game store page. It's not in the game. It feels like this is Overwatch 2. Mm. And they've not said it's not in early access. It just is that this is Overwatch 2. So I'm just like taking on those merits and just how much it's duplicating the maps, the animations, the voice lines, everything. I think it's the worst sequel of all time because it's not a sequel. Whoa. It's a re-release. If like if you just put this out and said it's a ported version of the game, we've just updated stuff from 2016, it would be the exact same game. That, the only thing that they've changed is the monetization model. 
But, the, the, but what you're unlocking is largely the same stuff again. I can totally see how you've come to that conclusion because, yeah. like you say, it's barely a sequel. But at the same time, some of the sequels we're about to talk about, mm. surely, surely you cannot tell me that Overwatch 2 is worse than Devil May Cry 2. If well, we're talking I, about the Pantheon. I absolutely can, because at least wow. in Devil May Cry 2, they tried something. Okay. At least Devil May, like at least DMC 2 was in a direction. Like Overwatch 2, I kind of I kind of put it into words how chemically similar Overwatch 2 is. Like it's literally what is the point of adding the two to it? Like to the point where people are just sort of looking at, you know, like like if you spread Overwatch 2 out on a on a table, the only thing that's new is the logo and the monetization system. Okay. Like it's exactly the same. Was Overwatch exclusive to PS4? Was there a PS5? Port or native PS5. So there's a, there's new gen versions, yeah, and it's on Switch. Oh, okay. So oh, like okay. they expanded it out, but Overwatch One was on Switch and things like that. Okay. It's it's always been available but everywhere. Was there ever a native PS5 app for Overwatch? Uh, no, so like I, nothing exclusive. Because uh, Fall Guys, can you remember a few weeks ago or months ago when mm. that was a PS4 app, but then they did a relaunch as a PS5 native app and then season one again and whatever. That could have just been called Fall Guys 2. Instead it Almost. was just Fall Guys, yeah. but it probably didn't get more sales because it wasn't called Fall Guys 2. There's a that's really, why they've done it. Yeah, there's a really weird thing as well. Speaking of like file namings and everything or like executables and everything, Overwatch on Steam, like uh, as people are realizing, is still called Overwatch 1, like on the back end. Nothing has really changed. Right. Same on the PlayStation front. I forget the name of the Twitter account that archives when things get updated to the PlayStation Store, but it's still listed as Overwatch on, on the guts of the PlayStation Store. Um, it's 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 in name only. Like, it's not a sequel. Yeah. I remember back in the day when Left 4 Dead 2 was announced pretty mm. sharply after Left 4 Dead 1 came out, and there was quite a big backlash towards uh, Valve at the time, saying, why yeah, isn't apart. this... Yeah, why isn't this an expansion in their kind of... Not excuse, but their reasoning was that, well, it's a whole new map, whole new story... Whole new maps, sorry, plural. Whole mm. new story, whole new characters, new weapons, etc. Like, it felt like a full game, even if it was mechanically very similar to the original. Mm-hmm. And it's just crazy that that caused so much fuss back then and now it kind of feels so tame in comparison to some of the sequels we get now where it is just very much a continuation of what we've previously had with a two slapped on but with ultimately very minor changes because we've got these games as platforms now Mm. that evolve already like Overwatch 1 has evolved massively compared to when it dropped in 2016 yeah. I think the like, issue though like with 2 sorry is just that like they've they advertised it as rather the PvE component that's what's going to distinguish it from the original and Overwatch 1 was this I mean not that Left 4 Dead wasn't but Overwatch 1 was this like humongous thing like in 2016 like it feels like it, it feels like it dominated the entirety of like the media sphere across that year and it's like oh my god you're going to sequelize this and it's and you've waited 6 years like what have you got guys and they're just sort of like we don't most of the team have left Jeff Kaplan's not involved anymore here you go. We've, this is as much as we can do, and we haven't got anything new at all. And so I'm not like that personally bothered about it. I've played a good handful of matches now, and I think that it's still really solid. It's still Overwatch. But I think if we're talking about what makes the worst sequel, if it's just the same thing again, literally, to me, that's that's a, an easy distinction of saying this is a terrible sequel. Yeah, it's like a fundamental failing of why you should greenlight sequels in the yeah, first place. Or putting a number know. on something. 100%. Like, it mm. needs to feel... I do get that. You know, if, if I'm buying a sequel... Even if I'm buying a sequel to, you know, annualized franchises like Assassin's Creed back in the day or Call of Duty back mm. in the day, I still need I still need, I need something. I need it to feel like it justifies its own existence. And you know, it's an easy target to kind of go for, but sports games often don't mm. feel like that. You know, I've seen a lot of negativity around the new Madden, for instance, because apparently the development of those games are is just like a nightmare. And right. the games have played the same since like twenty, you know, thirteen or whenever the next gen started and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like when I look at those games in a modern context where you can get updates, you can get, you know, expansions, you can get live services readily available. Like, why are you still charging full price for a game like Madden 23 or FIFA 23 Mm. when most of the content could be an expansion to a platform that just exists? I know the reason is money because you charge $70 for for the unit cost and you get a whole hunk of change on top of the microtransactions. Mm. But still, from a kind of development perspective, from a cultural impact perspective, it's just, I mean, I'm I'm saying this knowing that FIFA 23 just had its FIFA 24 just had its biggest not three yeah, yeah. sorry had its biggest launch ever so right. nothing will ever change but it just is nuts to me that so little is happening with those games mm-hmm. but is that not what eFootball did where that just became a platform that is true James Dallas yeah. but However, it actually fell on its face that yeah, was so. bad no, no it definitely mean, recovered no, it's a good but idea that, but at least yeah. they tried something yeah with yeah, eFootball yeah 
Like at least like that's the whole thing. It's like, yeah, what do you want from a sequel? And that's sort of like it's that weird. I just when Overwatch two analyzing Overwatch two, it's like this weird dark hole of uh, industry tactics where I'm just kind of like, what's the most threadbare thing you could do to justify a unit cost again? And it's almost if you apply the sports model to other games, um, you know, like the idea of like iterative sequels. Like for me, Horizon Forbidden West didn't do enough to justify itself. It's a different realm, obviously, of sequel. It's still a sequel, story based content, whatever. There's a lot more effort in there than Overwatch two, but gameplay wise, I'm playing it the same. And I think that like it's that whole idea of like you know a fan base likes a thing just do another one and it's just like how close to just do another one do you go Overwatch 2 is like has now set the bar or the or the, the worst example of literally do it again um, and just call it Overwatch 2 and they benefit from a whole bunch of you know exposure to the, the property, property again like it's getting me playing it again for the first mm-hmm. time in years um, and maybe that was all it needed to do but at the same time I don't want an industry of iterative sequels like yes. you know it's I feel like a sequel used to it's not like, used to mean more back in the day but some of the best games of all time are sequels that meaningfully iterate on stuff and don't just replicate stuff. Here's a question that you might know. Why is there a Warzone, Warzone 2 coming out? Funnily enough, James Dowes, I think it's because of what you were alluding to earlier with the Overwatch situation, because Warzone 1 is still an incredibly popular game. But that thing wasn't designed to be as supported as it is right now. Like, that shipped with Modern Warfare. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, apparently, according to the reports, uh, Treyarch was going to work on their own different Battle Royale for Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War that would follow up the Blackout game that they made uh, previously. However, Warzone was doing so well, Activision decided, no, we'll just integrate all of these games into Warzone. However, that had such massive problems because mm-hmm. the, the game wasn't designed to do that mm. and it led to like Warzone itself just feeling like stuffed full of stuff that wasn't meant to be there. The balance was all off. We had so many guns that just became meaningless that it was almost you couldn't continue that. You couldn't take that over to next gen machines. So with Warzone 2, I think the idea has been to just kind of cut ties with that because it's getting unfeasible to develop on. And now if we start fresh with Warzone 2, that will be on next gen. That will be designed with these updates in mind and it will be hopefully a more reliable platform. But even outside of that, they have made substantial changes to the game player itself, for better or worse. You know, controversially, they have taken out loadouts, how they worked in the first <laughs> okay. game around. Oh, God, it's yeah. a brand new map and stuff. They've added in bots, a whole bunch of other things. So it is a new game in that sense. But I think the main reason for its differentiator is because they just needed to cut that baggage off yeah, because yeah. there was no way they could keep supporting that I think it's and the, have it optimized. The weirdest thing to um, sequelize a platform, like Destiny 2, it's like if everyone just calls it Destiny, like Warzone, if it's called Warzone 2, it is it'll, 2. Just be, 0, yeah. it'll just be Warzone. Like it's just that whole thing of like, why not just, like you said, add to the platform? Like in that case, like are you really benefiting from a sequel boost? Like I guess it's just a search term or a marketing term or whatever at some point because any live platform will just be a continuation of that live platform. I guess with those two games in particular, they're quite interesting, right? Because Mm. they both had these first efforts Mm-hmm. They were both these first efforts at something the developers hadn't done before. Mm-hmm. Like Destiny 1 was ambitious, but the platform, in my opinion, wasn't where it would have needed to be to support 10 years of development. So right. to me, it's kind of like, mm-hmm. it was almost like a practice run. And I think a lot of first games are just practice runs for the sequels. And I think with that live service, Bungie kind of looked at it, looked at the mistakes they made and thought, well, we could keep updating this, but why don't we just cut it off, take the lessons we've learned, mm. and then almost do it properly. Like like yeah. you said, you know, Destiny 2 essentially just is Destiny now, but you needed to learn the mistakes previously. It's kind of the same thing with Warzone where they've made the mistakes now. They know how to make a Battle Royale mm. platform yeah. now, and hopefully Warzone can persist in a better way. And yes, it is called Warzone 2, but maybe in, in those cases, I do think it was smarter to cut ties and start afresh because Destiny 2, even when it came out, had a better reaction than Destiny 1. Everyone was oh, like, totally, okay, yeah. this is the thing it should be. And would it have been harder to claw back those fans if you just kept updating Destiny 1? I'm not entirely yeah. sure. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do that with Halo Infinite. Just have Halo Infinite 2. Oh God. Halo Infinity or something? Mm, maybe. I, I think I, you're right, man. I, I, think I you're wouldn't right. be surprised. That, that thing feels so dead. Exactly. Yeah. Make a sequel. I, you get you get like a de facto optics boost by just saying like, hey, this thing is where, where, like, there's an assumed effort with the sequel. I was going to say there used to always be this thing in gaming, which is still kind of the the doing the rounds where like you play something, it's the new entry in a series or whatever, and the immediate go to is they'll refine this in the sequel. I can't wait till the yeah. sequel, even on like launch week. It's like, well, get, I can't wait till the next one when they fix this bit, yeah. <clears throat> and we're always looking forward to the next thing. Um, and this idea that like the sequel is is just going to be better, that it's like you know it's, it's not necessarily going to take risks or whatever. That was going to be another open ended question: is how much do you want game sequels to take risks? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite 
of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Oh hell! That is interesting. <laughs> like with God of War, are you going into that exp- uh, Ragnarok? Are you mm-hmm. expecting that to be the exact same game, just more of it? Well, everything that they've shown feels like that. Like they, every time they've shown the combat model, that's what bummed me out because I've just okay. gone like, "Oh, this looks like the same thing." Which okay. like, but it's it's a very solid combat model. Like, and they're trying to like give Kratos like a feel that he obviously didn't have in the original so, games and everything. So, what would you want there? What would you like to see in the I don't trailer? feel that's on the audience to say. I feel that's right. on mm. the, the creator to wow us. And okay. so, like, but I, I, yeah, I wonder, like, what story they're going to do or whatever. And, like, if you'll get new weapons and stuff like that. I mean, in the old God of War games, you would get new stuff. You get the Hercules gloves or whatever yeah. it is. So, like, you get a giant sword at one point. I think it's the Viathan sword. No, the Viathan axe is the new one. You get a big sword anyway in one of the God of Wars. So and, are uh, you going into it expecting the same way you felt about Horizon Forbidden West? I don't really go into it with any particular thing. I just think that, like, it just as an open-ended question, yes, I want sequels to take risks, or I want them yeah. to do something that differentiates them from what I did before. I think it's different in games because gameplay loops by default are the same thing, or they can be. Like, a yeah. satisfying loop can be done again. But I don't know. It depends what it is. I'm trying to think of a sequel that changed the game mechanic. Like, in fighting games, you play as Jin, Tekken 3 all the way through to 7. Those combos have expanded, and then there's a muscle memory there that then expands on over time. And so if there's a set of mechanics there, then why not flesh them out? I was a bit gutted that Aloy plays exactly the same in Forbidden West as she did in the original. Obviously, yes, there are new abilities, but not really new core moves. There are new things you can trigger, but there's not really much you can do as her that you couldn't do in the original. And do you think Mario does that the best? I'm not even joking, like, because that game, every single one is a evolution of the previous game. Sometimes. I feel like Odyssey did it really well. I love the cap ability. Yeah. And I think, like, yeah, Sunshine, I like the flood idea. Mm-hmm. I don't think they do, like, it's not that satisfying to use, but it's, like, fine. Um, but, yeah, like, that, that, their pivot from 64 to Sunshine is huge. You'd yeah. never get that now. Like, yeah. the sequ- like, the idea of, like, how do we sequel the game that showed the world how to do something in 3D? 
And it's like, well, we're gonna kind of add like shooter elements and kind of change it and do all these weird platforming. Mm -hmm. And the whole feel of Sunshine is so weird. Mm -hmm. And it's so like kind of overly snappy and whatever. Um, but I champion that risk. It's yeah. whether it pays off is a whole other thing. Yeah. But I love that they tried, that it didn't rest on their laurels, that like the sequel to 64 wasn't just a level pack for 64, yeah. which would have in that case been arguably fine because that game was such a eye-opening, incredible thing. But JB, what do you think? I personally gravitate towards ambitious sequels, even if they're not very good. You know, mm. we're going to talk about some games like Devil May Cry 2, which I mentioned before. You know, that game is not a good sequel. Like, it's not even a good game. <laughs> However, I find it fascinating, and I played through, all the way through it far more engaged than I did with some other iterative sequel, you know, right. and I was far more interested in what they had changed and why, because they had tried something mm. and it had failed, but it was fascinating to me. I loved the idea of kind of like dissecting that. And I remember my time, and this is going to sound like I'm doing a bit, but I'm not. I remember my time more with Devil May Cry 2 than I did with Gears of War 3. Gears of War 3. Everyone remembers a car crash, mate. Is it not? Everyone does. <laughs> everyone does. Past it. You know what I mean? Gears of War 3 is a 9 out of 10 game. Mm. I would recommend yeah. it to everyone. It is perfect, but yep. it's it's iterating It's iterating on Gears of War 2 and it's iterating on Gears of War 1. And yep. by the time I got to that third game, for as good as it was, it just couldn't surprise me and punch me in the same way because I had played that before. And, and again, you know, I can't really complain about that because it's doing everything it's set out to do yeah. incredibly well. But if I'm talking about personal impact, if I'm talking about personal interest, I'd rather something swing for whatever and miss in, in some cases yeah, than yeah. kind of just get more of the same. I will take it back about Gears 3. I don't want Gears 3 to not exist. That I was, awesome. no, so. I was going to, I mean, I, the thing with Gears 3 is interesting because I feel exactly the same way. Like the leap from Gears 1 to 2 was huge because it was like, now you have like ground finishers and the horde mode and it felt like this massive expansion and everything. And then 3 was like, it's a refined version of 2, which is great. Like th 3 plays incredibly well, but it's almost like Halo 1 to 2 and then 2 to 3. Yeah. Um, where like Halo like 1 to 2 was like on consoles was like multiplayer and Xbox Live and dual wielding and everything. And then 3 was like kind of more of that. And obviously you got the forge mode and whatever, but like, yeah, it's one of those things where once you've got a good thing, you just kind of refine it. Nintendo are a perfect example of that. Like you're saying, like, yeah, they innovate Mario mechanically, but Zelda was exactly the same for so long until Breath of the Wild. Um, just, you know, go get this item, this item unlocks a new thing, go do it again. Um, same with the Metroids. Like, there's 2D Metroid and 3D Metroid. Um, what do you come down on all this? So, so why are you saying that it takes three years, uh, three games for a game to be what you want it to be? Are there where you're saying Halo? Mm. How it peaked with three gears. Would you say that it peaked with three in that one? From a gameplay perspective, for sure. Yeah. Well, that say, ties yeah. into that whole thing of like people going like, well, I can't wait till the sequel till yeah, they, yeah, till yeah, they yeah. perfect this. And it's like a, a, that whole thing of a, a dev team. And especially if it's the same staff, yeah. spending the same amount of time over time with a certain set of mechanics and a direction or whatever, and how much time they were afforded to get it right in the first place. So mm -hmm. those things have happened in the past, gears, halo, whatever. I will say this, and it's something I actually, I think I might have brought up on the podcast when Horizon Forbidden West came out, because I, I loved Horizon Forbidden West but did concede that it was very iterative it was very much more of the game that we got back in 2017 mm -hmm. and I said then that I wouldn't have been as not disappointed but I wouldn't have been as noticeable of that fact if it had a quicker turnaround with the reality of games development right now you know you're looking at four to five years in some cases between big releases mm. and I think yeah. that time away makes you crave more than iteration because techno technology is advancing on such a rapid rate. You're seeing other genres come in and iterate on what that original game might have done in the in the first place. Mm, yeah. And that's a that's a lot of time in the gaming world, I think. And because with that in mind, it makes me want something brand new. It, it, it compared to, you know, if Horizon Forbidden West came out two, maybe even three years after the original, it might have landed better because, you know, we're still in that cycle of iteration for that particular thing mm. and we haven't entirely moved on. I think as well, like it's case by case. In Horizon's case, when Zero Dawn arrived, it was like, this is this incredible, pretty unique feeling IP. Like this idea of like robotic dinosaurs in this like quasi future that's like in influenced by the past and what's really going on. It's like a mystery narrative and it just felt so fresh. And obviously it was coming from the devs that had done Killzone for like 15 years. So it had that as well of like, it literally felt like you had Killzone that was like a brown and gray smush. And then Horizon was this like beautiful, like entire color palette explosion of ideas. And I was like, this is such a beautiful, um, you know, addition to the PlayStation catalog or addition to gaming and then it's like okay what are you guys going to do next and it's like well we're going to do a bit more of what we did and we're kind of going to flesh it out and it's not like that story isn't interesting but it's nowhere near for me as um, involving or as paced well or satisfying as the original one 
but it's also a sequel. So all you can do is carry on the thing that was set in motion. Could I ask you guys a question? Because Always. you sparked something there, James Dow, was talking about uh, the rule of three. Because I think, thinking about it, I have a personal rule of three. And it's not hard and it is hard and fast, but it's something that I just, you know, thought about there. Because Gears of War 3, that's when I started getting bored with that combat. Right. Dark Souls 3, another impeccably crafted game. Yep. But I had played that game before, and I think it is amazing, but I do, it, again, it didn't have the same emotional impact that Dark Souls 1 had, or Bloodborne had, or Elden Ring had, because I had experienced the bones of it so mm. many times before. It didn't have the opportunity to surprise me in the same way that something new like Elden Ring did. So I want to know your guys' own kind of, you know, rough personal threshold of when you've become satiated with a specific combat model or a specific style of gameplay or even mm. a specific genre. Because for me, I'm starting to think it's the, by the third game. When you go back to Gears, are you playing Gears 3? I am often playing Gears 2, James Dance. Okay, right, yeah. okay. So in my opinion with Halo 3, that was like the pinnacle of the series, mm -hmm. even though I preferred 1's campaign. Mm. I didn't mm. care for the Halo 3 campaign, but I would never go back to 1, even though that's the one I've got the memories with. I'd mm -hmm. always go back to 3, because that was the peak of the series. Right, okay. So I play the best one, even if that's not the best one. Because you're playing it. Yeah. yeah. Is yeah. Halo maybe an exception to this rule of three thing? Because like Scott said, the jump between one and two is so yeah. um, big and two and three is more iterative, but three did come out on a new generation of consoles. It yeah, did kind of update the multiplayer. There is still- by the story as well. That was the culmination of everything. 100%. There is a bigger gap there. It's not like the same technology. Yeah. It is what you had before, but bigger and prettier and shinier. Mm. Yeah, I think I just said it's, that's what I said. It's almost uh, case by case. I think if something is story-based that obviously like you're, you're de facto interested in that, let's say, okay, what have they got? Like Mass Effect 3. Um, it was like, how are they possibly going to wrap this up? And, and how's that going to go in Horizon and whatever? Um, that whole thing, though, of like when you get sick of a game, it can be it can be minutes if it's if it's if something is leaning too much on a loop and i can tell what that loop is like assassin's creed um like that game the newest the new trilogy the witcher trilogy whatever the hell you want to call it the ones where they're clearly <laughs> taking every bit of influence from the witcher games um odyssey and origins and uh, valhalla they you can see what they're doing almost immediately that gameplay loop or series of gameplay loops is really small yeah like it's the combat model is really small and tight and it's like get some loot and then go do it again the stealth is really easy and accessible and you repeat it over and over again and after, it's that thing where you know what you're getting for the next 300 hours after the first 30 minutes and I think once you can identify that and the game is not doing anything to show you that there'll be any change then that's when it's take or leave it like for me Assassin's Creed is another rule of three one for me as well because you know looking at the Ezio trilogy yeah. Assassin's Creed 2 shook things up from Assassin's Creed 1 I loved that game Assassin's Creed Brotherhood mm. iterated on what 2 brought to the table continued that story I loved it I agreed the best one and then Revelations came around and despite loving the other two games I was so sick of the model by then. I was so sick of the loop. I knew exactly what to expect. Yeah. I played about five hours of Revelations and then didn't finish it. Oh my God. I know, but I was like, think about playing those games year after year though, literally. Oh, that is. One after the other. Well, there you go. <laughs> no, but my, For my, me, it was too much. That was my cutoff point. My only thing with that franchise, with that particular Ezio trilogy was that that had such a story dependent thing because it was like the return of Altair. You had a whole thing with Ezio and Altair and whatever. And playing as both of them, like playing as them again was a whole thing. But it's weird in that case, I feel like they dropped the ball gameplay wise because they they knew that they had the same engine over and over again. It was super iterative. So they put in that tower defense game. They put in the big hook. There was that whole thing. Oh, it's, you can zip. It's a hook zip line. And that, it was like, that's not enough, guys. See, for years, I didn't even know Altair was in that game. Right. Well, that would have been enough to probably make me stick it out. But when I was playing it at the time, all I thought was, this has added a hook. And that's all I've got. You know, oh. I've only got the hook. And that kind of put me <laughs> off uh, big time with it. Oh, see, I remember the, for me, it was all the, the trailers had him in. He was in the box art and everything. It was like you were going in for the Altair Ezio story. See, the, the, I guess that. 100%, like I was buying them so regularly that it, I took all of that stuff for granted. Like mm. afterwards, mm. I just knew every year for Christmas, I would ask for the new Assassin's Creed. Right. I wasn't yeah. engaged in them in that way. You know, I remember watching all of the trailers for two, then Brotherhood I kind of got and just enjoyed. Mm. But by Revelations came around, I wasn't even watching the trailers because it was just a, a thing in my life that happened every year that I was experiencing then. So I right. didn't even see all of that stuff and I wasn't engaged with the story in that way. Had I watched the trailers, Scott, maybe I would have uh, <laughs> been you, more up Was for you it. doing the same with Call of Duty at the time? Aye, exactly, yeah. James. Aye. It's such an inversion of your synopsis life. Because these days you know more than me going into stuff. This is it. I have to. Yeah, I have to clarify that I was, you know, a snot-nosed. How old would I have been? Sixteen-year-old back in 2011. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like Call of yeah. Duty was the same thing. Where 
you know, even now I don't watch kind of like developer, um, you know, updates on what exactly they've changed. I don't even watch the trailers half the time, you know, especially for the campaign. No. Like I'll just get it when I get it. Yeah. Like it's very rare for me to know exactly what they've changed going into each sequel because I can kind of guess. And if they well, surprise me, that's cool. We were talking about Gotham Knights obviously coming out later this week and the trailers for that game. I didn't even realize Mr. Freeze was in that thing until right. <laughs> like I saw the trailer for it the other day. I was like, oh, is he, that's like a main villain that should have been in here for ages, which I guess he has been if you were following all the trailers and everything. But in terms of, yeah, keeping up with the game's rollout, I'm doing that with Sonic Frontiers. I'm so stupidly into Sonic Frontiers, James Dallas, you know this. I just don't want you to be upset. I, I, I've, <laughs> I've played it, it was really good. Yeah. I had a lovely little 10 minutes. I, I'd be amazed if it falls down. Although I saw, I look at the, the pre-order stuff and then on the latest trailer, they were like, make sure you get all the attack gems to fight mm. the harder enemies. I'm like, that's going to be a level gated enemy that's going to look at me and I'm going to die and I can't beat it until I've done 50 hours of grinding. But I'm actually okay with it because it's Sonic. Is this the latest game that you've fell in love with the development and can't wait for it? Like what was the one before that? Well, that's the thing. I it's it's I never do it. I never I keep up with Dev's Diaries. I never keep up with any of that stuff. Mainly because I don't want any spoilers. And I know I just want to go in yeah. fresh. Um, there's just something about Sonic Frontiers where because I've discarded the story altogether, I'm curious what mechanics you've got. Um, and that new combat trailer, I was like, oh my god, these moves look so good. He's got <laughs> the Sonic Boom and he can do a Phantom Rush, and I'm like, oh, this is so cool. For your sake, I hope it's good. It, I really it can't do. be bad. Oh. It can't can timestamp this. You, I know you saying that about a Sonic game. It can't. Be <laughs> That is very bold, my it's friend. It's been um, one week since you looked at me, but it's also been <laughs> three decades or whatever since Sonic was a thing. It's been a long, long time since I've yeah. cared about Sonic. I'm literally talking 30 odd years since I've cared about Sonic. Do you think it'll be another 30 years if this is not good? I don't know because having played the entire franchise this year, literally, um, I'm kind of aware of the pitfalls of that IP. I'm kind of aware of what they're going to get wrong. Um, and then playing it when I played it at EGX, I, I was like, oh my God, you fixed bits of this. And like, this is kind of fun. It's really snappy. And like, there's a melee and you can Parry. There's a boss battles and you can parry in it, James. And I'm just like, they've done all this stuff where I'm like, you're you're reaching, you're taking the risk that I want you to take. And uh, and I think that's really cool. And like doing like open world Sonic, like you wouldn't expect this at all. This weird, unreal tech demo open yeah. world combat model Sonic that could actually be brilliant. I know it's like I've lost my damn mind, but let's talk about the reasons that um, various sequels didn't go down very well. Um, one that keeps popping up on various lists um, or just general sort of chatter on the internet is Prince of Persia Warrior Within, something that is sort of exactly amplifies the idea of a sequel completely changing its tone. Now, I love Warrior Within. I was a Godsmack fan at the time. So I was like, yeah, you do the new metal soundtrack for this thing. Um, however, it was kind of like Jack 2. Well, if you came off Jack and Daxter and went into Jack 2, it all of a sudden had this like insane attitude. Jack was like really menacing and oh my God and whatever. And then the same thing in Prince of Persia. You had all these like gruff voiced sequel heroes. Mm -hmm. um, even the worst of it is Adam Jensen. I feel like that killed it off in Deus Ex. And then it was like, we can't do this anymore. Um, but that idea of a sequel changing its tone, that's something that is hard to advertise or like you need to get it. It almost like reflects the culture at the time or something. Would that be something that puts you guys off? Or do you come, where do you come down on the Prince of Persia trilogy? Or the, the series? Well, the, with Prince of Persia in particular, um, I was the right age for it and I was yes. the demographic that they yeah. were chasing. You know Same. what I mean? Like I liked Sands of Time a lot because I liked it mechanically. However, aesthetically, mm. it wasn't for me in my teenage phase. However, when Warrior Within came around- You give that man a goatee. I thought it was the best thing of all yeah. time. Scott Telford and James Dowse. I thought it was incredible. <laughs> so, you know, I was kind of the demographic they were, change, they were chasing. However, if I was as old as I am now, would I have looked upon that change more cynically? Probably yes. Maybe, yeah. However, just generally speaking, I do like tonal changes if they're done for um, creative reasons, if they're not just trying to chase a demographic or a target audience, if they're doing it because they want to do it, I'm fine with it. You know, Doom 3 is one of my mm. favorite survival horror games ever, but that is a huge shift mechanically and tonally from Doom 1 to DMC Doom 2, 2 of its franchise. It is, well, no, because it's actually good, man. I don't know if it is. It is good. Is it? I played it last year, man. It was really I good. I played it too. That's <laughs> one of the worst feeling shotguns ever. <laughs> Just a maybe, squidgy thing. <laughs> maybe you're right. But okay, that aside, it's yes. more divisive than DMC 2. Okay, I will, <laughs> oh, I will definitely, say yeah. But the point is, you know, I like it because it did something different. Same. And it did yeah. something different because I think of a creative of direction and I'm, I'm okay with something being totally different 
if it's backed up by passion and mm. creativity. I might not like what they're doing, but I love that sequels can do that. That's what I want out of sequels. What I'm on, um, just to super quickly highlight is when God of War, the 2018 God of War, that shift to you know doing way more mature sort of um, contemplative Kratos and that whole sort of insider report. I think Corey Barlog was the one who uh, talked about it when he was doing a talk at GDC, the Game Developers Conference, saying that when they showed the new version of Kratos to various testers, there was someone who, st- who stomped out the room and was like, what the hell is this? He was like, you've got Kratos picking flowers. What the hell is this? Um, and even Shuhei Yoshida, who's like, I think um, one of the, the, the big wigs at Sony, um, couldn't get on board with it and left the room when, when he was shown um, the new version of Kratos or the new version of God of War. However, that 2018 game is, for me, up there with Breath of the Wild, one of the absolute best pieces of game you could ever get. And you wouldn't get that if they hadn't taken a risk with it. Um, so I back that massively. Uh, see, with Breath of the Wild, I was such a stickler for the old formula of mm. Zelda. When that was announced, I was like, mm. yeah, I was unsure about that because I've got every Nintendo system at launch. Like I tried to, mm-hmm. but the Switch didn't interest me because that Zelda didn't interest me right. until I played it. It's <laughs> the best game I ever played. Where'd you come down on um, for Breath of the Wild when they changed the way the dungeons work and they, they'd have, they just the don't thing, have any That's one dungeons. of the things that put me off because I adored mm. how the dungeons work in Zelda games and how they did it instead with 120 shrines or whatever. Yep. That was a great idea. That really was good. And then what, four, three dungeons? Those weird was? four ones for the, yeah. the elder beasts or whatever they're called. Um, uh, the Whatever, the divine beasts. All yeah. those where you just have to shoot eight arrows in a certain direction. Yeah. They, they weren't as, suck. They weren't as good as like a Twilight Princess dungeon, for no. example, or a Skyward Sword dungeon. Were they good in that one? I hate I, Skyward Sword with the passion. I so. liked them, but right. another divisive one. Yeah. It's the only one I've not played because I've just not wanted it. It looks beautiful, but yeah. it's got so much backtracking in. It's got so much just, oh my God, end. Like yeah. just, be done. I hated that thing. The whole thing do the was, HD one? The Terrible. Whole, the whole thing was just motion controls uh, mm. originally. Yes. But I couldn't. Do you remember Miyamoto came on stage and he was doing all that? He couldn't get it to it. It didn't work. (laughs) They reckon that was the lights at the time? I just didn't buy it. Yeah. It it, it was a a weird way to go. But yeah, if you play on Switch, they fixed all that stuff. Um, You Um, can't just play with buttons. But yeah, so a sequel like Breath of the Wild, Mm. um, it will make fans nervous because it is a step out of the dark. Mm -hmm. And it turns out it's fantastic. Sometimes. Just super quickly, that's what I think loads of studios underestimate, the ability for a mass audience to be okay with change. Like they'll react and go, oh my God, that looks so different, but I'll see what happens. And then it's like, Maybe they'll wait for the reviews. Maybe they'll see for the, the hands-on videos, whatever. But they are interested. You yep. don't need to play things so safe. And, it, and then it's obviously in the execution. And maybe the risk is just terrible or whatever. But, like, there's a way to do it. I feel like there's so much safety in a lot of um, creative projects that just bores me to tears. Totally. And I want more stuff like this. I want to ask you guys, has there ever been a moment where a franchise has changed so much that you've had to just kind of admit that it's not for you anymore? Because some of the games we've been talking about here... <laughs> Um, Breath of the Wild, my first ever Zelda. So I had none of these kind yeah. of worries about mm. them doing something new or cutting ties or whatever. And I loved it. And that made me a fan of Zelda and made me go back to play the other games. Uh, similarly with Doom 3, you know, I, I, I'd played Doom before, but I right. was a bit too young for it. So Doom 3 was the first time I was properly aware of the series. And I loved it for that reason, because I wasn't fully aware of what exactly they changed. I hadn't played Doom 2 for all I knew. Mm. The pivot might have started <laughs> with then. However, there <laughs> have didn't. been times where a franchise has you know radically changed chasing your audience completely transformed itself where I've had to just go I respect what you're doing and it's not objectively bad I've just almost outgrown you you've changed yeah. we've changed we've split up mm. we're on good terms but this isn't working out anymore man we gotta we gotta break up <sighs> did James you have anything I hate to keep mentioning but Halo Infinite was that one right, right. how right. I felt like because I grew up with it Halo Reach was like my most played game of all time mm-hmm. and then when Infinite come out that was just not me anymore then do you mean Halo 4? No, no, I do actually mean we had, we had, this We've Halo 4 noted, noted down as well. The thing was with Halo 4 and 5, even though they weren't as good, they still had mission structure. Mm. And each one was level 1, 2, 3 to 10. Infinite didn't. Yeah. The first two missions in that game were great because mm-hmm. it was a linear story. After that, when it goes to open world, that's not Halo in my eyes. I do. I like would completely agree with you. There's a couple of missions in that. There's a boss battle where you fight a dude that's jumping around a lot in like yeah. a big, a big lake space. That's a really fun fight. Yeah. The vast majority of Halo Infinite's um, missions felt like weird sort of tech demo stuff yeah. that needed to be refined and focused, and they just sort of had to leave it because like the way that the development had gone anyway. Yeah, I had that whole thing through Infinite where I was like, "You're changing this up so much, and it doesn't work." And like then reading the reviews, and it was getting like a ten out of ten, and this is an incredible overhaul hall of halo and i was like but it's boring and it's not and it's not engaging at all like a big open space is empty and like i'm not there's nothing to do like just because you've made a big space doesn't by default make it interesting i've just realized the game that plays it very safe in its sequels Mm -hmm. um pokemon 
Joe how yes. that was just like it, it's the same formula as the 1996 original. Although RKS is massively shaking it up, and then we'll see because a lot of people bounced off that. That's more which of a I loved. spin-off more than anything. Yes, that's like a Pokemon Stadium. That's but not that's a about to be the groundwork of Violet and Sapphire. Yeah, but it's this still it's still Pokemon. It's still <laughs> red and blue Pokemon. There's true. no voice acting. There's no heart in yeah, the game anymore. True. If they are, oh, I would love it if they overhaul Pokemon to have, like you said, a full voice cast. You completely overhaul the animation. Like yeah. the fact that, like you know, Mario and Rabbids is out in a couple of days, and uh, the, how gorgeous that game looks mm-hmm. on Switch uh, compared to how absolutely ropey and just <laughs> blocky AI. I mean, I love Pokemon, but oh my god, those yeah. games, like yeah. um, especially Arceus, like that mm-hmm. was ridiculous. Really disgusting to look at. <laughs> it was, it yeah. was like a literal abomination. Like, yeah. Anything that they would class as a mountain was just like yeah. just looked like a giant. Um, what's that toxic Pokemon? Muck. <laughs> just like a, a giant muck level um, overall. But it's the highest grossing franchise of across anything ever. Which is why they won't change any and of then it. it just, they won't, that's, that's why I loved what they did with Arceus. And then I'm curious how people, because a lot of people bounced off that and didn't like the, the changes, but I don't want the same thing yeah. where it's like you change the move and it's like one, two, three, poof. And I'm like, we've had that since 1996. Can you do anything else at all? <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like um, that whole thing of like what leads to like taking the risk or whatever, like that idea of like you'll champion it anyway, which I will. And it'll always kind of come down to the execution. Like DMC2 is memorable, but we're never going to go back to it. Yeah. Or at least I'm not going to go play it again <laughs> um, after going through it the initial time. Um, we should actually wrap the pod unless you have other f- closing thoughts rather from Mr. James Douse on the old sequels should thing. Should we? Go uh, on. And you can go first, James Douse, because I don't want to do it. I don't want to be on the spot. Uh, should we just go good feeling to end the pod, to wrap it up, <laughs> to tie it with the title? Yep. What's the worst sequel of all time? Uh, I would say probably Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5. Great yeah, shout Because... You can't think of any other answer, really, can you? Because that was <laughs> very, very bad. Uh, for a game that was after four, which was like 10 years prior, Something and like then that. to come back to that one after, mm-hmm. I think it was Robo Motive, I want to say. Robo Moto. Was it? The Mo- Mo- yeah, yeah. yeah, and they made all of the trash Tony Hawk's game, like Shred and... Um, Ride. Ride. <laughs> Whatever you had to buy the perif- peripheral skateboard for. Uh-huh. Ride was Rubbish. the one where it was like the weird, <laughs> yeah. like, pretend you're skating on the spot. Yeah. Well... They decided to fix the formula with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5, and they didn't. It was <laughs> awful. It was very bad. And then uh, 1 and 2 came out, yep. uh, made by um, Vicarious Visions, and then that was one of the best games I've ever played. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic, and luckily, uh, Activision dissolved that team. So. <laughs> <laughs> Why did they do it? They just, oh, they was on for a, a winner, and then they All they needed to do was a 3-4 combo, and you're done. Yeah. Then, then you dissolve the team. And then after that, Underground 1 and 2, yeah. and then make another oh, one. Don't, man. But Don't. instead, they're making, what, Blizzard? They're making Blizzard games out there. They made, sure. Diablo. They made Diablo 2 remastered. Yes. Yeah. It just, yeah, that whole, they, to wrap that into that idea of, like, when you return to a franchise, what do you play? The Tony Hawk's 1 and 2 remasters felt like the sort of the mind version you had of all the Tony Hawk's yeah. games all in one because they brought all the mechanics forward, but it was still 1 and 2's levels. I still play that to this day. It's beautiful, it man. a great game. I, that was one of the only games where I paid for the, it was £10 for the upgrade to get it on oh, PS5. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, fine, I love Tony Hawk's, I'll do it. Like, I, I want to play it with a 60 frames a second yeah. um, my absolute worst sequel um, I'm just going for what comes to mind um, is uh, Star Wars Force Unleashed 2 Ooh. which was a game that would later be revealed was made in nine weeks um, <laughs> and was uh, literally what? just absolutely punched and kicked and yeah, turned yeah. around because um, for whatever reasons on the dev side um, they just couldn't devote any proper time to it um, that nine week thing came from a, an interview back in the, in the day I'm going to assume that's real it feels like a thing that was turned around I in nine weeks um, and the thing that I'm hinging it on it's kind of the Overwatch 2 thing it's just like how, how are you justifying this sequel um, and I remember Force Unleashed 2 I got it um, started playing in the morning I was finished by like tea time like 6-7-8 hours later if that really um, and it's like 4 levels it's just so nothing it feels like a DLC um, all the same moves just everything was the same and I remember just feeling like this is not a sequel the same feeling I have with Overwatch was that the one on the Connect? No, they did do a version for the Kinect, yeah. um, which the Switch now has, funnily enough. Yes. Uh, well, sorry, not the, not the Kinect one. There's the old Wii version of Force Unleashed that is different, um, but it's called the same thing that is now on the Switch. Um, but yeah, there is that Star Wars Kinect thing that's all motion controls and everything. But um, yeah, Force Unleashed 2 was just, it was just too threadbare. Yeah. Um, and it was full price and it just was not a sequel. <laughs> it sucks, man. It's a such a shame back. as well. Uh, yeah, what's yours? For me, I would go, you know, Duke Nukem Forever is the obvious mm, one. And okay. I only bring it up because I was genuinely excited for that game. I was going to say I had zero expectations. <sighs> I, I had zero expectations because of its development, so right. I won't talk about it too much because obviously it's Duke Nukem Forever. Everyone knows it's bad. <laughs> but I was genuinely looking forward to that. I Duke Nukem... Um, 
Duke Nukem Time to Kill on the PS1 was one of the first games I ever played. Right. So I had a fondness for this character and I wanted this sequel to succeed. That's Obviously, it was trash and bad. However, the real one is The Amazing Spider-Man 2 because I will stand by the fact <laughs> That the Amazing Spider-Man 1 tie-in game was really good. Binox were a good Spider-Man developer. They made Shattered Dimensions as well, which is also excellent. And if they were just given time and money by Activision to make a proper Spider-Man game, we could have had such a good run. But, Mm. you know... Like with their vicarious visions, they just uh, cannot help themselves. Activision cannot help themselves, and they made them turn around the Amazing Spider-Man 2 in in no time (laughs) at all. The game looks worse than the previous title. Like, how do you manage that? Like, surely it's the same engine. How does it look visually worse? It plays like ass. The story sucks. One of the just absolute... Like, I can... I have a lot of patience for bad Spider-Man games, and I couldn't even finish the Amazing Spider-Man 2. It was that bad. It was just... Oh, my God. I tell you what I quite liked um, in Spider-Man 2018 was that they brought in that like pause and aim thing from the ASM games yes um, which is like the one thing that those games brought to the table was like what if you could kind of think like Spidey and like just pause time for a second see where you want to go next and I was like that's a nice little spiritual continuation because ain't no one going back to those games um, so I'm glad they brought it forward I'd still go back to the first one I'll say that right you now. would wouldn't you I would I I'll bloody you can't would. get enough of it not the second one I've tried to play that thing like five times and it's just <laughs> Someday oh, one of the worst things we can uh, we should do that as a uh, Halloween torture stream Playing ASM 2. That would be torturous. Wor- playing through the worst games ever for the, <laughs> yes. uh, to survive in the Halloween. Um, but yes, overall, um, there's a lot of bad sequels, but um, whatever I say going into this has been the World Culture Gaming Podcast. I've yes. been your host, Scott Hill, for joined by James Dallas. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm just proud. Goodbye. Nice to see you, James Dallas. Oh, cheers, mate. Yeah. I'll Catch probably not week. see you next week because you won't invite me. we <laughs> <laughs> will be bye, again. Bye-bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.